The single most reliable predictor of happiness is feeling embedded in a community. James Barry. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. everybody. It's Dr. Kieran. Welcome back to another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution. Super excited to share my guest with you today, James Barry, because he makes delicious things. And I love delicious, healthy, nutritious food. And I know you do too. And he makes a quote spice that's really more than a spice called pluck that is super yummy and super nutritious. And he's going to talk to you about it, what it is and why it's super nutritious and why it will be your go-to spice probably from now on, maybe even in your coffee, but you got to stay tuned for that one. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about James and then we will get started. James Barry has 16 plus years in the culinary field. He started as a private chef and he's also cooked vegan vegetarian on the Vans Warped Tour, which traveled in 50 North American cities. And then he returned to LA. He private chef for people like Tom Cruise, George Clooney, Sean Puffy Coombs, Barbara Streisand, John Cusack, and more. And then he started Wholesome to Go, which was a healthy, high-quality food delivery company that he had in LA for many years. And most recently, he launched his functional food product, Pluck, which is an organ-based all-purpose seasoning that is delicious you will definitely want to try it. He sent me some and I absolutely love it. He's also helped to author several books, Clean Seven with Alejandro Younger and with Margaret Floyd, Eat Naked and the Naked Foods Cookbook. He's also passionate about community and purpose. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So please welcome James. Welcome, James. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Karen. It's, it's truly a pleasure. So I have tried Cluck. You sent me some. It is delicious. <laughs> and I'm dying to know how you came up with the idea for it. Oh, my gosh. I have to admit, like, I know that the process from A to Z was, you know, just my involvement with I've been in the food business as a chef for over 16 years. And I've always looked at food from the perspective of, OK, I want to I want to take our regular kind of comfort foods and try to make those as healthy and as clean as possible. So I've always come at food with that perspective. So I know that, you know, getting to pluck was probably a part of that process, part of that philosophy. But honestly, I kind of just feel blessed around it because to come up with a product that is new and original in today's day is kind of a rarity. So I just all I say now is I just feel blessed. I feel like I was touched by some divine force and gifted this amazing product, which for those listening, is it's organ meat, which we all associate with ick, you know, ew, but it's nutrient dense, crazy. I mean, crazy amount of nutrients. And I make it taste good and you sprinkle it just like you would salt and pepper. 
So it's just so easy. Right. But like, I got to know where this idea came from. So here you are, you're cooking for George Clooney and Gerard Butler and Barbara Streisand and all these people. And what happens in your mind that you get this idea that you say, I'm going to take organ meats and make a tasty spice out of it to increase the nutrient density of what I'm cooking. How did this happen? So sadly, when I was cooking for the celebrities, I didn't actually make organ meat for any of them, which is which makes me sad now, now that I think about how much how important organ meat is to one's diet and how just how super packed it is with nutrients. But what happened was actually kids. So I'm a father of two, two girls, and I am always thinking about how can I support their health in easy ways so I don't have to deal with picky eating, so I don't have to deal with, you know, any kind of like, don't yuck my yum kind of thing, you know, where I'm slaved over the stove, you know, made this meal, and then I serve it to them, and they just go, yuck. Yeah, I just didn't want to do that. <laughs> so it definitely transpired around how can I get these nutrients into them. But there was one event that really deeply affected me. And I think that that is where I started to really think about this. So we were, uh, my wife and I we, and my kids, we were traveling to Canada and somehow along the way, both my girls got shigatoxin, which I'm assuming you're probably familiar with as being a doctor, but it's a bacterial that is, can be deadly for young kids and for elderly people. And it's kind of like a, along the lines of E. coli. It's a, it's a version of E. coli, but it's one that, that like, we were so lucky that we, my wife is a functional nutritionist, so she was able to diagnose it through some stool testing. We were so lucky we were able to do that because shigatoxin is one of those ones that you do not give an antibiotic to. Like you don't do it because you can actually make it worse and hurt the person. So both my daughters got it. My oldest daughter, she got through it pretty quick. Like I think it was about three days, but our youngest daughter who was already really thin she got it and it lasted for almost 10 days and she got to skin and bones and it just scared me so much. I saw her wither away and everything we tried, you know, even water, she couldn't hold anything down because shigatoxin with that, you're basically diarrhea or throwing up everything. And eventually she could eat toast and we're gluten-free, so it was like a gluten-free toast, which gluten-free doesn't mean healthy. So I'm sitting there giving my kid toast, just worrying. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't believe I'm giving her this gluten-free toast. And this is all she's eating. And I just felt really concerned. And I I wish that I had had pluck then, because now that I, I know that that was the period where I started to get the idea of like, if if I could give them a nutrient kind of punch, like, a, like just a really powerful nutrient-dense food right now, that she can hold into her system. And I knew that I would just feel better as a, and I think back now, I'm like, oh, if I just had pluck, I could have sprinkled it right on the toast and I would have felt so much better as a parent. But I know that that's where it kind of, the flame was lit because of my kids. Got it. So yeah, and kids, you know, when they're, the smaller they are, the less reserve they have in terms of their fluid, in terms of their electrolyte balance, in terms of everything. So. Then what happened after your daughter went through that, I'm glad she recovered, that brought this idea to you? I went through a bit of a process. I used to own a meal delivery service in Los Angeles. I owned it, I ran, I started it and owned it for eight years. And right around the time when my youngest was born, so when she got the sugar toxin, she was, I think, around two and a half, something around there. And so when she was born, though, 
I had just sold my business and the dealing, like I had already been getting paid for the sale for a couple of months and then it just went south. Like they stopped paying me. And this just happened right, right when, right, like I think a couple of weeks before my youngest was born. So my family and I, we went through a huge shift of like, oh my gosh, that our main income just disappeared. And fortunately, my wife's business was doing well or was progressively doing well. And so we had to, you know, thank goodness for her and her, her stamina and power. But, you know, she had to basically, she just had given birth and she had to pivot to, being the bread earner of the family a few weeks after that, like maybe four weeks after giving birth. And so I became the stay-at-home parent and, and I did that for about two years. And, and, and I have to say that was actually a real gift because I, when I was running my business and any of the people listening to this that are entrepreneurs, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. Like I, I lost my health while I was running my business. And, and I know you, you identify with this because you talk about this in your podcast about how, and on your, on your website about how, you know, here you are serving other people. You're here as their doctor, you're here as their health practitioner, you're supporting their health, but then your own health is suffering. And that's very much how I was. Like I was running a meal, a healthy meal delivery service, and yet my health was faltering. And so during those two years, I got my health back, but then I started to think about how can I start serving people again? Because I just, I knew I didn't want to do a service oriented business. I'd done that when, with that LA business and it's really challenging meeting different people's needs on a mass level. So I was really trying to think about, well, what, what could I do? And I was experimenting with um, like nut butters and adding collagen to them. And that kind of came about because I was seeing some of the, the protein bars that were coming on the market and I was seeing that they were, you know, nut based and they were using the collagen. I'm like, well, I can make, I could make that and I can make it cleaner and better. And so I started messing with that. And I actually posted my version of that on our, on the Eat Naked Kitchen website. So that's called like a nut butter. Gosh, I can't even remember what I call it, but if you look up nut butter, it will pop up. But so I started there, but then I realized other people were doing that. And then I, um, I started thinking about organ meats and organ meats, the way I describe them as mother nature's multivitamin. You know, you think about what's in a prenatal vitamin, which is when we're focusing on prenatal vitamins, we're focusing on the vitamins that create life. And if you look at what's in a prenatal vitamin, it's all the stuff in organ meat. So <laughs> to me, that's like, oh, wait, organ meat is this powerful, powerful tool that we have that's in abundance in nature, particularly when in, in its grass-fed, grass-finished, when it's coming from cows that are or any animal that is grass-fed, grass-finished um, or pastured. So you know it's a high quality, healthy animal, and um, you get those organs, and they just they have so many nutrients. And so I was like, well, how can I get this in people's diets? Because people have a few issues with it. They they associate the taste as being bad. We've lost the art of cooking it, and then we may know we need to eat it, but we're not eating it. So we're let's say we're taking supplements. And you forget to take your supplements. You're taking desiccated powdered liver and you just forget to take it. So I knew that those were the three kind of barriers. And I started thinking like, well, wait, what do I put in a pate when I make a liver pate? Well, I put onions, I put garlic, I put some kind of herb. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Why, why can't I just, I can utilize modern technology. We now have organs that are freeze dried and powdered. So that's a modern technology. I was like, well, I can utilize that because it's still very nutrient dense. And what if I did the same with these powdered, you know, herbs and spices? And then I just started messing around and boom, I cracked the code. It just suddenly the organ meats not only tasted delicious, but 
it was just so simple. It was like, oh, this is no different than seasoning with salt and pepper, you know? So no new habit. It was just like, just instead of salt and with, you know, any kind of seasoning or salt and pepper, just use pluck. And now you, you're upping the nutrients of everything you put it on. That's what I was looking for. I love to know how these ingenious ideas come because it's usually in this kind of flash of insight. Sometimes it's with diligent inquiry and investigation. And it sounds like you were kind of leaning into the question and then you got the gold. So yeah. can you you help everybody understand, because I know people are listening going, Oregon means right. yuck. Which organs are we talking about? And what tell us a little bit about the nutrient content and density in those organs. Yeah, thank you for asking that. Because there is there's such a misperception of organs. And first, one misperception is that people think, well, organs are where we where we detoxify, so they store toxins, and that's not actually true. Most toxins are stored in the fat. So that's why I'm always advising people, you know, if the animal is conventional, which most usually when you're eating out at a restaurant, it's going to be a conventional meat because they're trying to keep their cost down. So that's probably not the best time to eat fatty meats or maybe even you could go further and maybe it's not the best time to eat even meat <laughs> because if it's conventional that you really have to question the quality and the, the wellness of the animal if it's conventional meat. But now if the animal is healthy and raised properly, their organs are working properly. And so it does, it's not storing any toxins. So right there, that's one myth. But really, so when we're talking about organs, in pluck at least. So I actually include five organs. I include the liver, the heart, the kidney, the spleen, and the pancreas. Now, the you and I were talking about, you know, how we were raised or, or the foods you may have eaten when you were a kid. And most people are encouraged by their parents to eat liver. That's I, I think if any organ you think about from the past, it's usually liver that people, great grandparents or grandparents ate or encouraged their kids to eat. And it was like liver and onions. So liver is a pretty common one, but it's also the one that everyone associates as tasting bad. And that's because it's so high in nutrients, particularly iron, that it has that kind of irony taste. Liver and kidney, or so liver, kidney, heart, those three, some, some people had got that when they were younger. Kidney is the one I hear nonstop that people are just like, yeah, I just can't get used to that. But so I added all five because there's this idea of like supports like. So if we're eating these organs from these healthy animals, then they're supporting our organs. So by putting those five in, I'm supporting those five organs in you. And there's things like in pancreas, for example, Pancreas has natural enzymes. So I, in a sense, I'm, I'm not only supporting your pancreas when I put pancreas in pluck, but I'm also supporting the digestibility of the food you sprinkle it on. And that's really important, as I'm sure you've talked about with your audience before, is we can feed ourselves the best food in the world, but if we're not digesting it properly, we're not assimilating the, the vitamins and minerals, then what's the point? So it's really important. But so liver, heart, kidney, spleen, pancreas, and what are some of the nutrients that you find in these? And that's where it gets really incredible. Vitamins A, B, C, D, E, and K, basically all the vitamins, essential minerals, iron, calcium, copper, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, zinc, and you probably are now connecting the dots of how I said, these are all the things that are in, in prenatals, right? I just listed everything I listed is in a prenatal. But what's key about all these minerals and vitamins, which hopefully 
you'll appreciate is that it's all bioavailable. So there's synthetic vitamins that you find in packaged goods, and then there's the vitamins you find in real food. But the key is, are the vitamins bioavailable? And when they're coming from whole food, they typically are, but the, the, the vitamins and minerals coming from organ meat are incredibly bioavailable. What I love about organ meat, and I don't know if you've ever seen these charts, but if you, anyone can, you know, search this, but search up, you know, top nutrient dense foods and you'll see graphs come up. And I don't know, what would you, what, Karen, if I ask you, what, what do you think is a nutrient dense food? What would you say? What are a few of the foods you associate as being nutrient dense? I, I would say your dark green leafy vegetables, spinach, one yep. of my favorites, kale, arugula, my other favorite, those dark green leafies. Yeah. Okay. So that's totally common answer. People might add like blueberries. Sometimes they say mm-hmm. that. Sometimes they'll add like Asahi berries, you know, some kind of berry. In these graphs, you'll see those in foods, those that those ingredients. And you will then see usually beef, like muscle, like so, so basically like a steak, and then you'll see beef liver. And it's so fascinating because all the markers that they're checking in this graph, the only item that checks off every marker, because inevitably the kale or something that like Something is not in one of these things, but the one thing that checks off every marker is beef liver. And the other thing is, is that when you see the difference in the numbers, and this is where it blows me away, when you see the difference in the numbers, it's not like, oh, well, kale has, you know, this much, I don't know, or spinach has this much iron. Let's just say it's like 30, what is it, milligrams, I think is how they measure it. So 30 milligrams of iron. And it's like, then you put it up against beef liver and it's like beef liver's got 300. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, it's not just a little bit more. It's like 10 to 100 times more. So it just, it's just truly a superfood and it's available to us. Like you don't, this is not a laboratory made thing. And that's what I keep trying to support people in understanding is that this exists in nature. You know, when, when we treat cows uh, properly, humanely, when we feed them 100% grass, when we don't pump them full of GMOs and hormones and all these, this stuff that's happening in conventional meat, naturally a cow will assimilate the sun's energy, will assimilate the nutrients from the grass and they'll store it in their organs and their muscles and their fat. And this is some of the best nutrients for us to get because we can't get it. I can't go out and eat the grass from my, you know, mowed lawn. It's I'm not going to simulate that, but the cows do. Yeah. We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there, it's Dr. Kieran. I'm just wondering how long you're going to go with those unbalanced hormones. I mean, you told me during the Stop the Menopause Madness Summit that you couldn't take it anymore. So where have you been? Since the summit, Deb M has already balanced her hormones, gotten to her goal weight, and is looking forward to wearing her bathing suit on the beach this summer. And Carrie, who hadn't been able to lose even five pounds in the past 10 years, has now lost an amazing 15 pounds and is feeling and looking great. Not to mention, she's sleeping better and her mood has improved. Aaron, Ashley, Debsey, and so many more are already enjoying the benefits of having balanced hormones. 
And I'm wondering if you could use some help finding out your personal hormone levels and knowing exactly what to do to balance your hormones so that you can lose weight, regain energy, balance your moods, feel sexy and confident, look great and master midlife or whatever you want to do. Know that all health begins with balanced hormones. Everything you want in life begins here and nothing good ever comes from tolerating hormone imbalances. We're launching the Hormone Balance Mastermind again this July, so don't wait. Space is limited, and it will be months before we run this program again. Go to www.midlifemetabolisminstitute.com to apply for the program or get on the early bird wait list so that as soon as registration opens, you can be the first to apply and secure your spot. If you've had enough and you want to find out how good life can be once your hormones are balanced, I know I'll see you there. Talk to you soon. And we're back. Yeah, it's just kind of interesting because I guess to be the evolved mammals that we are, these organ systems have had to evolve where they can highly concentrate vitamins and minerals to undertake the processes that we need to support our hungry brain <laughs> that yes. needs all the nutrients to function and the, and the rest of our biology. So it kind of makes sense that organ meats would be in mammals would be much higher, have a higher nutrient density. A, a question I want to ask you is that we really tell people to stay away from processed foods. The more that's been done to it, the more it's been denatured chemically, nutritionally, and that the nutrient density in decreases with everything you, with every treatment you, or something you do to a food. So how high, how do you prepare pluck and how processed are the organ meats that go into it and does it retain the nutrient density yeah that is such a great question because it's so true people forget that you know the minute you heat something up you're de it's be it's you're denaturing it you're you're lowering the nutrient value of it and that goes for anything any heat destroys you know vitamins so such a good question so that is why i choose fry freeze-dried powdered organs and i'm sourcing my organs ah. New Zealand. So New Zealand is, you know, an island and they, that cattle is one of their primary exports. So they take extreme care of their cattle industry, you know, and they utilize every part of the animal. A lot of their organs actually get sent to China because Chinese are very pro-organ meats, but they just do it right. They don't use GMO grasses. They're able, because it's of the climate and, and the island, they're able to control those elements. But they, because of the climate, they're able to feed those animals green hay throughout the year because most areas, you know, the animals will get green hay, green grass for part of the season, but then the rest of the season, they have to either get like kind of a dried, dried hay, which has lost some of its nutrients and or supplemental foods. But in New Zealand, they can get it year round. So really powerful. But the freeze drying is a process of cooking it slightly. So it's similar to dehydrating, but it's through a different process. But freeze drying actually does retain the most nutrients of the processes that we're aware of. So from dehydrating to, let's say, cooking, freeze-drying reserves the, mo the highest amount of nutrients. 
But you're right, any process is going to lower these nutrients slightly, but freeze-drying keeps them the highest. And then it's powdered. That is it. There isn't any other cooking as part of the process. The freeze-drying of the of the processing is the most cooking that happened. And then what I recommend is when you're using pluck, you don't just actually cook with it. Like, so you're happy, you know, welcome to cook with it. Like I, I, I recently put a, a hamburger recipe on our site, the eatpluck.com. And I put that on there and it's really simple. Like you have your ground meat, you add like a tablespoon of pluck, you add some fresh herbs and spices, and then you make your, you know, you mix it together and you make your hamburgers. But then I still finish whatever I'm cooking, whether it's vegetables, meats, fish, chicken, doesn't matter. Pluck goes with everything. Uh, we haven't found one thing it doesn't go with. But I finished the, the dish with pluck as well, because that's going to be more nutrient dense than the stuff I cooked it with. Right. Totally makes sense. And uh, I love that you use the freeze drying and avoid the denaturing. That's perfect. And you are, you said, told me before we started recording that you're working on other flavors. I'm dying to know what you have in store. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to actually, I wanted to add one thing to our previous yeah. question, which is the, just so everyone knows, because I mentioned there's a lot of people are taking supplements. They're taking, you know, powdered organ meats as a supplement. And I'm actually sourcing the exact same ingredients as the supplement company. So most of them, the majority of them, there's really mainly two places that you can get organ meats powdered and kind of this grass bed, grass finished uh, manner. And that's New Zealand and then Argentina. Those are really the two countries. We don't really have a very good supply chain here in the U.S. I'm, that's something I'm working on, but um, it's not really established here. But I'm using the same stuff as you would find in, you know, ancestral supplements or something. It's it's the same stuff. So just wanted people to know that quality is king and uh, and that's a big focus for us as well at Pluck. What I'm working on is actually kind of exciting. So uh, yes, I'm working on some more flavors. One is kind of a no-brainer. I'm just making a spicy version of Pluck. So for those of the people that like spicy foods, so we're going to have a spicy pluck coming out soon. But then I'm working on an AIP version because I've gotten lots of feedback from people that just who are AIP, that's autoimmune protocol. So they can't do nightshades, they can't do nuts or seeds. And so even things like peppercorn, they can't do that. They can't use paprika, which is a nightshade. They can't use mustard seed because that's a seed. So they can't have those kind of things. So I'm making like kind of a garden vegetable version of pluck that is really going to be good for anyone. Like even if you're not a AIP, you're, you're, you're not going to care. Like it's going to just taste good, but it will serve the AIP community. So because I really, I really want to support as many many of the people out there that are, you know, challenged to find, you know, really nutrient dense and flavorful food. So that's, those are what I'm working on with that. But I had this really cool thing happen. Actually, it happened with Ben Greenfield, if you're familiar with him. He's um He's a big influencer around sports medicines and biohacking. I met him and he tried Pluck and re just responded really well to it. But what he did with Pluck kind of blew me away, which he poured it in his coffee. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was kind of like, you know, jaw to the ground. I'm like, oh my God, that's the last thing I would ever do with a seasoning, right? I would never add it to coffee. But what it did was inspired an idea of like, well, wait a second, why can't I? I do, you know, a beverage mix with organ meats. Like, why can't I just make it coffee friendly? You know, like a, like no different than Four Sigmatic does with mushrooms. Why can't I do it with, with organ meats? 
And so it's inspired this whole new line of product that I'm working on and, and going to eventually put out, which is like add-ins for beverages where you don't, same thing as the spices and herbs, or you don't think about, oh, I'm adding organ meat to my hot beverage. So you're not going to think about it, but you're going to benefit from the nutrients of the organ meat. Similar to like if you're using broth, you know, because that's something we always recommend, like if you're doing bone broth to use pluck. It's a great addition. They they work really well together. And so now I'm just going to equate it to like coffee and these kind of nutrient-dense drinks. And I have to thank Ben Greenfield for introducing that to me because I never would have thought of it. Yeah, I, it kind of makes sense. It's it's more of a savory application for coffee when most of us in America think of coffee as a, a sugared type of affair. It really could be more savory like a chai tea. I could definitely see that. I think it yeah. sounds awesome and I'm going to have to try it. <laughs> and I- and I would definitely create that kind of non-savory version, you know, where it's like got cinnamon and nutmeg, you know, I'm using more of those kind of spices that are more associated, like you said, with chai or like with coffee or something. I'm definitely going to mess around with all of that. But yeah, I just, I, it's something I never, I mean, that's what's beautiful about, I'm just loving about working with Pluck and and having this company as the feedback, you know, not only do we get the feedback of, oh, my my kid, my kid's so picky and they love Pluck. I mean, I was just talking to someone yesterday, Heather said their kid requests Pluck in everything, like no joke, everything, mac and cheese, Pluck, toast, Pluck. What was the other, they said, they said this one thing that, oh, Chinese food, like they order Chinese food sometimes and they're like, yeah, my kid wants to put pluck on it. It's like to go food and they want to put pluck on it. So I'm like, I love that kind of feedback, but I also just love, yes, I'm a chef, but I don't think of everything. You know, I don't know all foods in the entire lexicon and, and world. So I have a very specific palate and I have a very specific kind of lane that I stay in around food. And so when I get this feedback, like Ben gave with adding it to the coffee, it's like, oh, because I'm really open. I'm I'm big into listening and really like taking in feedback from people. So I love that. But holy moly, it's just such a great opportunity to, to expand my own thinking around what pluck could be used for. Yeah. And, you know, it's so true. We need each other to, to see these things and get out of our usual box and likes and dislikes. And that's why we need community. And I know you shared this quote with me, which I love, that the single most reliable predictor of happiness is feeling embedded in a community. And I just see the work that you're doing and that you've done really as you're a community builder. So can you talk a little bit about your passion for community? I think it's so important right now. I so agree. I appreciate that you're bringing this up because that is actually one of our missions. You know, I think maybe you've heard of the triple bottom line, you know, it's people, profit, planet. And so, you know, if you're a business, you and this is one of the things we run into with lots of these big, big corporations is that we can't deny the fact that a corporation or a business needs to make money. That's how the business is going to survive. So we have to, we have to be mindful of like, we're not charities, right? So anyone that's entrepreneur is trying to make some money. So let's put, let's just be open about that and honest about that. And then, and then let's set it aside. Cause then what's next is really important is people. So community, and that is really important because, and this is one of the issues I have actually with so many products that are being put out on the market is are these products truly serving people? And, and I'll give you an example. When you look at trends, let's just talk about, I don't know, keto. Keto is a huge trend right now, a huge diet trend, right? 
everything, you go to any store, it's keto this, keto that. But what's whenever these new diet trends come out, what is the first kind of dominant piece of that diet that just starts popping up everywhere? And when the products first start hitting the market, what is the first piece of that diet that gets kind of fed to everyone? And it's desserts. It's sugar. It's it's anything. It's it's just keto versions of dessert, right? It's it's like keto brownies, keto cookies, keto drinks. <laughs> like, it's like holy so moly, right? It's so true, right? I mean, before keto it was paleo, and before paleo it was you know slow carb. I don't you know. It's like you know before that it was Adkins, right? Remember all the Adkins right. bars and Adkins drinks and. You know, <laughs> And they're just, they're all sugar. It's all folk. I mean, yes, they don't have sugar in them, but they're all, it's all feeding that addictive piece of our humanity. And so I look at those products and I go, that's great. That keto brownie, I'm sure it tastes really good, but is that really helping me? So what it's keto? Like it doesn't <laughs> actually move my health needle. I look at that stuff and I'm like, I just question, like if, if it's a product that's actually not supporting us getting off the wagon of eating desserts, because that's the wagon I want to get. I want to get on the wagon that's like, hey, you know what? This whole snacking thing, you shouldn't be snacking. You should be, you know, complete meals and you shouldn't be starving all day. Eat a complete meal so that you don't need to snack. And then you know how you're craving desserts at night? Well, guess what? You shouldn't. And you know how you're celebrating every event, every milestone with this sugar addictive thing? It's like, you don't need that. Like, let's replace, let's re, let's re-examine sugar. Let's re-examine desserts and let's like, let's stop feeding them. Cause if like, what I like to equate is like, I'm sure you've heard this, the, our brain on cocaine is the same as our brain on sugar. This is a very popular meme and it's a very popular comparison out there. Okay. Anyone can look this up. It's when they observe your brain, waves from someone that's doing cocaine and you know a drug it's the similar kind of things that are popping on your brain are also the things that pop when you eat sugar so a lot of people will equate well how are they they're not really that different in terms of how they affect you, your brain and so my whole thing is like okay so what we need to do is get off that association of seeing sugar as a reward and so my thought is like well what if we start associating sugar as a cigarette so when your child has done well on their school exam, would you give them a cigarette? If your child <laughs> is celebrating, you know, their 16th birthday, are you going to give them, you know, a pack of cigarettes? Say, awesome, you know, you're welcome to adulthood. Here's a pack of cigarettes. You know, you're just not going to do it because we associate cigarettes and drugs as something that is not, you know, not something that's healthy, is not something that's conducive towards well-being. And I say we have to do the same thing with sugar. And that means even though it's keto or even though it's plant-based or even though it's paleo, that's just, it's still sugar. And, and that's what I love about organ meat is that organ meat is an ancestral food. So it's not like this alcohol, you know, sugar alcohol that they made in a laboratory that's been like diced and, you know, it's been fine-tuned to only... To, to have zero calories and, and they say zero effect on your blood sugar, but then of course they're finding out later that it does affect our blood sugar, it's just delayed, right? So organ meats are ancestral. These are things that have been around for thousands of years. We know that they work, but we don't know what urethritol, you know, we don't know how that affects us in the long haul. We only know how it affects us for a little bit because it's only been used for a little bit. You know, we don't know how stevia, the processed stevia, we know stevia, the plant is fine, but we, we don't know about all this processed stevia that's being put in everything. How does that affect our health? We just don't know. We don't right. know. Well, and so I that's think why it is pretty 
be clear that anything that increases your taste for sweet things increases your drive to have sugar. And I'm so with you. I love this quote that you have about don't think sugar is an addictive drug. Try not eating it for 21 days. <laughs> and during the pandemic, I had to come clean and tell everyone I totally went off my entire program. Like I was terrified and <laughs> my cortisol went crazy. I just did nothing. Like I, I was a lump on the couch for a year and a half, you know, in quarantine. I ate whatever I wanted because we we're all going to die anyway is what I thought. You know? <laughs> and I, I really lost my conscious mind. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I'm just being honest. And I know some people listening went down that rabbit hole too. And, and when I finally came to my senses, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. And I started doing the things again. I realized I had gotten back on that sugar bandwagon and uh, anything you do. I am a proponent of monk fruit sweetener. And uh, but the more I eat it, the more I want sweet things. And yeah. so I, I do best and I find most people do best to balance out their insulin and their hormones when they just say no. Yeah. So I guess it's safe to say that Pluck is not going to be coming out with a dessert line. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Uh, that is so, yeah, you are so right on about that. And, you know, you make a great, I mean, so here's the point that I agree with you. So this is the point I've been trying to make to people is that, you know, if there's anything we learn from COVID is that we default, we, we are human. I mean, you're, I love that you're being honest and vulnerable about what you experience because you're human. I mean, we, we, we set these standards, they're just not realistic to think that if I put ice cream in my house and I'm someone that notoriously has issues with dessert, so I'm, I'm setting myself up for failure if I bring this stuff into my house. But to think that I could have it in my house and that I'm not gonna eat it, like that's just- It's insane. Right, it's insanity, right? It's like the minute it comes to my house, I'm gonna eat it. And I don't care at what point, I might eat it at 1 a.m., I might eat it at 2 p.m., I might eat the entire thing in one sitting, but I'm gonna eat it, I guarantee it, because that's who I am, so I have to use that. And one thing that I think COVID taught us is that we're human and that we default to our comfort food. So what happened when COVID hit is alcohol sales went up, sugar sales went up, hostess, Twink, you know, Hostess, the, <laughs> the brand started soaring, you know, again. So like all these, all bread, bread baking became the end thing, right? So all these comfort foods became Vogue again. And not that they ever went away, but they just became even more popular. Because I think to your point, we were, everyone was scared. We, there was a lot of high emotions. And so we were eating away our feelings. And what I say to that is like, I say, okay, we know this. So what we need moving forward with foods, and this is absolutely what pluck is, is we need food that doesn't require a new habit change because COVID showed us all the new habits we were doing, all the all the intelligent, you know, health food choices we were making, they flew, they, they just disappeared because COVID made us re resort to what we previously did before that, our real, you know, our ingrained habits, right? So anything that's a new habit that requires that we do to something that's extraneous or something that's outside of that comfort zone is probably something that we shouldn't be doing right now. Like we should really be thinking about food from, and, and this is very much how I look at it is like, okay, how can I get the benefits of that ancestral food, the food we know that works, but use it in a modern application so that it doesn't require a new habit change. And that's what pluck is, right? It's a seasoning. We already all season our food. This is not a new habit. It's a very right. 
it's ingrained in our society to salt and pepper our food or use other seasonings, right? It's just, it's a part of what we do. All I'm saying is like, hey, instead of using salt and pepper, use pluck. And now you're getting these nutrients that are ancestral, that are part, that have been in part of human history or potentially what gave us the brains to do what we're doing now. And now you're putting that on everything you're eating. So there's no change. So even when COVID, you know, 3.5 happens or 2.0 happens, I guess 2.0 is already happening with with newest version, but let's say 3.0 happens, then you're not throwing everything out with the you know the baby's not getting thrown out with the bathwater. It's like you still have pluck, or you do you still have these these things that are ingrained in our society, ancestral foods, right? Right. And they so true. And I would say you know just back to the issue of what we went we were reverted to bad habits. Back to what we were saying about community that you know, we didn't have community. And so I think people were very divided and, and we're we're hardwired for that neurologic connection with other people. And so without that, I think our nervous systems really went a little haywire. Our hormones went a little haywire and hopefully everybody's getting back to normal. I know I am super happy to be back doing all the things and not eating any sugar and gosh, I feel so much better. You don't you feel um, better? I, I love that too. I, I I started exercising again because the gyms are open and I and I noticed how I just feel more positive now. You know, I'm getting those hormones in my brain and my body. I'm just getting the endorphins. It's like it's wonderful. It it changes everything. It does change everything. I am so excited to have you here, James, and to share Pluck with everyone. It is delicious. You're gonna love it. Tell everyone how they can find it. Yeah, well, so eatpluck.com. I think you actually even have a, a discount code for your audience as well. Awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah, we do. It is HER10, H-E-R-10. You'll get yeah. 10% off, so you definitely want to use that code when you go to eatpluck.com and get your pluck. And James is for real. It it tastes good on everything. I hadn't thought of putting it in my coffee, but now I'm going to have to try it for sure. And I'm thinking a little coconut milk, a little pluck. It'll be delicious. So thank you so much, James, for sharing this with us. Oh, thank you. And thank you for doing all you do to support people's health. I, I think it's this messaging is just so important. We all need that community, that support, and uh, just the messaging of Hey, let's let's not just follow these trends. Let's actually like let's take care of each other. Let's get off the sugar. Let's let let's use what works opposed to just what's new. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, post it on your social media and tag me, I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.